listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, happy Saturday afternoon. What are you up to today? Now that we're, um, I guess, almost halfway into December, I imagine a lot of you are running around, perhaps doing some holiday shopping, getting some errands done, getting stuff ready for entertaining the family or the in-laws. Lately, everyone's been telling me about their in-law stories. And uh, there are perks, I guess, to being single because then you don't have any. Um, So let me know. Text in 71010. The show is live until 4 p.m. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I'm sure you've got a lot going on. Um, I had a, this is what happens around this time of year. I know for a lot of people, it's like the Christmas holidays, like that meal is usually the big one. And, and people tend to put on a few extra pounds this month. For me, it's the weeks leading up to Christmas. Christmas itself, not to make you feel sorry for me or anything, but Christmas itself, I have spent alone. Now this sounds actually really pathetic, so I wish I could stop talking. Uh, in in the city, because it's not a huge holiday for my family. Um, we're pretty spread out. My parents are in Halifax. My brother's on the West Coast. And there have been a few times where I've gone home, like, after the holidays. So I'll hang out in Toronto and not do much. And nothing's really open. So you can get fast food or you can, like, sit at home and boil pasta. So my holiday meals are not very exciting. It's the weeks leading up to it that um, I tend to gorge and go a little overboard. And I'm feeling it right now because I'm probably going to undo the button on my pants in a second. Um, But I did get to try out two new places this past week. So I thought I'd share that with you because I do a lot of food and restaurant stuff for work. Uh, One of the places was actually the new Jamie Oliver restaurant up at Yorkdale Mall. I haven't been up to Yorkdale in ages. And it's, it's quite beautiful, but they invited some um, like some media people to go and try out the menu. And I thought, you know, because it's like kind of a chain restaurant, there's a couple of them all over the world, not more than a couple. So I really had um, not very high expectations, if I can say that. But I was actually quite pleasantly surprised because you know that Jamie Oliver is, um, he he really promotes like healthy food and and getting kids to eat fruits and vegetables younger and the fact that so much of our food isn't whole. And so he's been on this, you know, sort of campaign, I think, that is very personal to him to get people to eat a little bit better. So that's not to say there aren't burgers and fries on this menu, but there are a lot of vegetable options that kind of surprised me. And I was also impressed that they support a lot of, you know, farmers and producers, like smaller farmers and producers within the province. And they have a really high quality for their meats and their seafoods. So it was actually really nice to see that in a large scale restaurant, because that's something that um, a lot of, you know, smaller places and chefs with small restaurants tend to do. Um, The other place I went to check out that I loved is called Honest Weight. And I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's a little place in Roncesvalles. And um, it has a fish counter. So I think a lot of their business is people coming in to buy their fresh seafood to take home. But they also have a small menu. So they've got like beautiful oysters, clams, some really great fish. So this is something to think about if perhaps you live in the West End and you're, you know, maybe going to do some oysters for New Year's Eve or Christmas. Um, You want some fish to serve. So they had um, really fantastic things. Tiny, tiny little shop. Totally the opposite of the Jamie Oliver restaurant in Yorkville in terms of size, but a great spot nonetheless. 
And uh, I guess speaking of all of this food, it's a good time to introduce my guest for this hour. I've got professional home economist Marilyn Smith, who is a regular on many daytime shows. You'll see her on breakfast television. You'll see her on City Line. She's all over the place. <laughs> and uh, you can find her cooking delicious healthy foods. So the reason that I've got you in here today is because we're talking about the brand new cookbook you've put out. Yay! Yeah, so congratulations. You know what? It's a labor of love. I have not uh, worked so hard. This is my seventh <laughs> book, and honestly... What? Yeah, I, seven. You know what? I didn't know you've done seven. Seven. Lucky number seven. I feel like I gave birth to a 40-pound baby <laughs> that was two years in gestation. It's like <laughs> elephants. Don't yeah. They? Is that right? Okay. I, I think, they, I think they, they're pregnant for a very long time. <laughs> I had an elephant baby. Anyway, um... Yeah, Labor of Love. I wrote it with my association, the Ontario Home Economics Association. Right. So it's a collaboration like a previous book, the one before, uh, book number six. Was it the Quinoa? The Quinoa book. I have that book. Okay. Okay, so that was with them, and we did so well with that book. We sold like, I don't know, 60,000 copies, which is a big deal in Canada. That is great. Yeah, so they asked us to write another one, and I've always wanted to write a book that, you know, just embraces all of Canada. And so I thought, what a better way to do it, because a lot of our members were born and raised in other provinces. And so I wanted them to bring their stories, and we would tell the story of Canada through recipes, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, go from sea to sea to sea. So the, the book is called Homegrown, Celebrating the Canadian Foods We Grow, Raise, and Produce. Um, over 160 recipes in this book. And it's it's quite hefty. Like there's a lot of recipes, but there's also a lot of really great information. And I like to consider myself someone who knows um, maybe a little more than the average person about food because it's a large part of what I do for work. So it's kind of necessary. But there was a lot of stuff in here that I didn't know. Yay. So it was, <laughs> you, you learned know, something. I did learn something. Yay. It also proves I'm not that smart. No, you <laughs> are. Not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> so some great stuff in here. And I what I love about it is you did sort of highlight recipes and foods from all across Canada. And we have a lot of listeners. I mean, we are an Ontario station, but a lot of listeners didn't always live here. They didn't necessarily grow up here. They may have moved from New Brunswick or they may have come from Alberta or moved somewhere else and then come back. So I think, you know, you you do when you move, you become familiar with what's local there. Like when I moved to Manitoba, um, Everything, every time I walked in a restaurant, the special of the day was always bison. And then it, but like as someone in their 30s, you really notice it because I didn't grow up there. So it was new to me. And then when I hear people who um, go to Nova Scotia, because I grew up there, it was very common for me to, you know, cod is always on the menu. Um, Haddock is always on the menu. And then when someone brings it up, I'm like, oh, I guess that isn't normal if you grew up in Thunder Bay. Like <laughs> Exactly. You know, I'm from Vancouver, and we had a fish guy that used to come around the neighborhood on Fridays. And my mother would send me out to get, like, salmon and shrimp because every Friday and we would have salmon and shrimp. And I didn't even know until I was, like, in my 30s that the reason he came around Fridays was because it was, you know, for if you were a Catholic, that you were supposed to have fish on Friday. And I didn't even know oh, that. I just thought, well, that's I wouldn't cool. Have known that. <laughs> the fish guy came around, and we had salmon and shrimp every Friday night growing up. Every Friday night you every had? We had a shrimp cocktail and then we had salmon. Which is actually, for people in Ontario who don't have like direct access to to seafood, is is a really beautiful meal. Oh, I know. And when I first came to Toronto. (laughs) You're like, where's my salmon and shrimp? It's Friday. No, I I went to the fishmonger and I go, yeah, I'd like some salmon because I was raised on wild sockeye. Oh, yeah. And then I saw this and he goes, it's salmon. I went, (laughs) (laughs) listen, honey, I'm a home economist. You don't know salmon. And he goes, no, it's Atlantic salmon. I went, what? I had never even heard of that. So, so see, this is the, I grew up in Nova Scotia, so all I know is the pale, 
pink Atlantic salmon, which is mostly farmed, but I didn't know that. That yeah. to me, I thought that's just how the fish comes that's out of the water. That's how salmon was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the first time I saw um, BC salmon, so yeah. like the wild sockeye. Skinnier, yeah, deep color. Deep, very, very deep color. I was like, what? This is not <laughs> real. This <laughs> So we had very opposite experiences <laughs> with the same food, essentially. Exactly. And it's funny, in the book, I actually say that my, you know, my favorite salmon is the wild sockeye. But if you want to use the Atlantic, what's interesting from a nutritional standpoint is that there's actually less fat in the wild salmon than there is in the farm salmon because they just are, they're not exercising a lot, right? They're, they're, they're just fat fish. They're fat fish. So you're getting actually more omega-3 fatty acids, <laughs> which are good for your heart, from a farm one than you are from the, from the wild. It's incremental, but I mean, it's yeah. still, there is a difference. So. Well, and then. <laughs> it comes down to preference, price yes. as well. That price. matters depending on where you live across exactly. the country, right? From here to buy the BC salmon is very pricey. It's very pricey, but when I go home, it's like, get me to the fishmonger. You're like, it's cheap. It's cheap <laughs> like potatoes <laughs> if you lived in PEI. If you lived yes. in PEI, right. So now the – so I love that you are a professional home economist because um, now that I've known you for a few years and I know some people um, who are within the association, it seems kind of normal to me to hear someone say professional home economist. But before that, I never heard the words home ec. Like I hadn't heard I haven't heard those two words together since I was in junior high school and I took home ec. So let's tell our listeners a bit about what it means you do and what you can do. Okay, so it's a degree program. They don't actually call yourself, uh, when you go through university now, it's maybe human ecology. There's different departments that you would okay. actually go to university for. I went to UBC, and uh, so my degree gives me the knowledge. I was in food and nutrition, and so my goal in my life as a professional home economist is to make your life easier in the kitchen, to teach you nutrition, how to cook, how to save money, just how to make your dollar stretch, how to be more economical. Other people in my profession have gone into maybe child psychology or into finance oh, okay. or into teaching. So it's a broad, like a huge umbrella for a profession with many different spokes on it. So, but my particular area, area of expertise is, is food and nutrition. Now, where, now does Every university offer this type of degree? No, no right? No. It's a little bit specialized. Yeah, when I was going to university, it was just Guelph and UBC, and now there's like University of Alberta. It's all over the place. So, so a lot of times people will actually get like minors and different things, and then take a master's. So we have a really, really broad background. So we bring a ton of knowledge, but our, our basically our role is to make your life easier. It's that's fantastic. It is. I mean, and we're the best trivial pursuit partners you would ever want. Oh my because god! Because we know so much about everything. You know the most <laughs> random facts. I do. Right? Like, Did you know that mustard seed? We're the world leader in mustard seed in Canada. In Can Canada is the world leader of mustard seed growers. Where do they grow mostly? Saskatchewan and then Alberta. Really? What? So, uh, and then we just ship them all over. Yeah, we don't make a lot of the mustard. There's a lot of artisanal mustard makers, yeah. but we don't make a lot of our own mustard. Mustard mostly... isn't really like Canada's condiment. No, it's not. But no. in other countries oh. and other cultures. Dijon. Mm -hmm. And it's a big ingredient in South Asian uh, cuisine. Yes, so, just the yeah. seeds themselves, Just the seeds right? themselves, so yeah. that's, well, And you're going to learn a lot of things this hour <laughs> with Marilyn Smith. So she's my guest for the hour. If you have a question about, you know, your food... Food, some nutrition questions, cooking, you can absolutely text in at 71010 if you want to ask Marilyn. We're going to talk a bit more about the book and the interesting ingredients that you have been cooking with from coast to coast. Because I think, like, I know I people tell me about lentils. They tell me about legumes. I don't necessarily know how to define them sometimes, and I don't really cook with them. But there's a lot of things we could be doing with foods that grow 
locally, and we often think that in the winter not much grows, right? Oh. So there's a lot we could be doing that's seasonal, and uh, Marilyn's going to share lots of her great facts with us throughout the show. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, you're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Where opinions are celebrated. The Pay Chen Show on News Talk 1010. We are celebrating everyone's opinions, especially mine and that of my guest, professional home economist Marilyn Smith is here. Uh, you would probably, and I'm sure you would recognize her if you watch TV at all during the morning or during the day. So she's a regular guest on many daytime shows in the city. You've had the luxury of going coast to coast, and I know you've been doing that recently, and I wasn't sure why, if it was with the book or completely separate. Well, um, my husband and I, we always wanted to drive from Toronto to Vancouver because we had both done that when we were kids. So when right. I was 15, my dad drove uh, uh, my family, my sister and I, uh, who I wanted to kill in the car because she was <laughs> nine, I was 15, um, from Vancouver to uh, PEI. What? How yeah. long was that trip? It was two months. <gasps> and then we, we picked... What? Wait, was this during the summer? It was during the summer. My dad, you know, stockpiled, you know, holidays. And then we, we picked up my brother who was at university and working in Montreal and then he drove home with us. Wow. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Scott had done it the same year with his family from London, Ontario to Vancouver. And so he said, you know, did you see a, <laughs> did you see a, because we both had camps, uh, I mean, uh, trailers. He yeah. said, did you see a trailer that said, help me, I'm being held hostage by my parents? Because he had written that on the back. It's <laughs> like, maybe we passed. Yeah, we I may don't know. pass. We you know, and then did. like years later, I you know. end up together. Isn't that funny? So we thought, okay, we're going to do it. So we drove last year from uh, from Toronto right through to Vancouver and all over. The, oh, my God. We had you such stopped a, in a lot of places, right? We did. And, and we went to a dude ranch, which my husband always says, no, it was an adult cowboy ranch. But anyway. <laughs> we did that. That was hilarious. But it was our bucket list, and we wanted right. to do it. And then this summer, fall, we went to Newfoundland. So you did the other coast. Yes. But we've, we've both done the Maritimes as adults, but, yeah. you know, this was our big one. And the next one, we're going to do the Yukon. So, You're going to yeah, drive there. We're going we're gonna to drive. We're going to fly <laughs> to Vancouver. Right. No. <laughs> and then we're going to, because we RV'd, we RV'd in Newfoundland. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That and was, how was that? What time of year were you there? We were there the last week of August, first week of September, and it was joyous, wonderful, fun, so much. It was fabulous. It was, it was a trip of a lifetime. I have not been to Newfoundland. You've got to go. Um, and I, yeah, and it's been getting a lot of, a lot more attention lately. Like yep. it's become quite a, a tourist destination for Canadians, which is kind of nice because I think for a long time we um, we go elsewhere. We don't really travel within our own country. And if we do, we might go, we might think of Vancouver or Montreal or Calgary. Uh, but I know that um, Newfoundland has been making much more of, uh, of, of a show basically and saying like, look, we're worth visiting. And they've been getting some awards and a lot of a lot of recognition uh, for some of the great food and the and chefs that they have there. Right. And, you know, we went thinking that we were going to eat su- seafood the whole time. But, you know, basically you could have had moose everywhere you went. So. Did you have moose? No, I didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you could hit one quite easily. I was terrified. I got to tell you that part. Um, no, I, um, my mission was to try to find the best cl- uh, chowder and my husband's was uh, the best fish and chips. And so uh, uh, we had a play. I forget the name now. Oh, it's in my website. But anyway, um, he got the best fish and chips in St. John's and I had, uh, it was up by... Uh, 
It was a campground called Dildo Run. We stayed there because I liked the name. And yep. we had a little <laughs> tiny little off-the-way place. It was the best chowder I ever had. I actually, really? I actually did a version of it on City Line. So, I, nice. you know, just from tasting it and remembering. So it was yeah. uh, it was pretty kick-ass. So. That's great. Yeah. And then I can't wait to hear about your trip to the Yukon and yeah. what you're going to eat Ooh. there. So you okay. are celebrating your new book, which is called Homegrown, Ooh. Celebrating Canadian Foods We Grow, Raise, and Produce. So there's over 160 recipes in this book. And if you have a question and you're listening and you want to ask Marilyn something, because she knows a lot of things and she's quite smart. Um, and as a professional home Smoke economist, she knows a lot of things about food and nutrition as well. So you can always text in at 71010 if you've got a question. Um, but I thought it'd be really nice to sort of enlighten everyone, including myself, about some of the things that we that we know exist, that we know are good for us, but we don't maybe make a point of buying okay. and cooking okay. and eating. So even things like, you know, you, you talk about um, legumes, beans, and pulses, and just even the difference between that. Legumes, I know, are like chickpeas. No, no, no. no. So <laughs> I even got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so so pulses is the big family. So okay. they're, they're the big guy. And then legumes and beans are different. So lentils are a legume and beans would be like the chickpeas would be in that too. Oh. Or you know what? I might even have that wrong. But it, the pulses is the big one. And it's the year of the pulse next year. What, the the okay, United well, what Nations. What does that really mean? That sounds made up. The United Nations. <laughs> this doesn't sound right. No, they declared uh, 2016 the year of the pulse because they really want us to be eating more of those kinds of foods. The United Nations yes, declared? They did yeah. Okay. Last year was the year of soil, so come on. Like the, we're, and I'm really excited about it because I invented National Farting Day, which is on March the fifth. And I why want, did you choose March the fifth? Well, I was sitting at my house one day with gas. No, <laughs> <laughs> you see, the thing is, that the more beans you eat, the less you toot. So because your body gets used to your it, your body gets used to it. Yeah. So uh, I was sitting in the. It was I think it was National Pink Lollipop Day, and I was like, This is the thing. There are all uh, these random days. Like I know. The, today is National uh, Jelly Donut Day. Okay. You know I'm out. So I was yeah. like, Let's have a cheer for something healthy. And so I decided, you know, I couldn't say in today was like you know Bean Day. So I thought I'll just make it National Farting Day. And so God bless. So I did it all that day, and people were tweeting going, Well, I you didn't did know. what all that day? You farted I tweeted, all day. No, I tweeted. Oh, sorry. You're <laughs> like I did it all that day. I celebrated <laughs> all by myself because that's yeah. what will happen. Um, well, but you know what? You bring up a good point. Did you know that everybody has 14 episodes a day? Everybody, no. yeah, they do. There are some who have more than that. That's right. And my husband has 500, but you know, oh maybe God. he's having yours too. But here's the thing. The more beans you eat on a regular basis, the less gas you have. And beans are an ultimately healthy food. They're economical. They are. They're very inexpensive. Extremely economical. So nutrition dense. Mm -hmm. um, they have tons of B vitamins, two kinds of fiber. They have protein. They are so good for you. And, and honestly, with the way our food dollars are going up, I would say that if you were adding more, you know, lentils and, and beans and Soybean and and chickpea to your diet, you'd actually be lowering the cost of your uh, of your grocery bill. I so there's like, a big uh, chapter on that in the book. I feel like Tons a lot of, of people probably. I bet a lot of people only eat beans when they're in Chile. Okay, that's that's a beginning. We we have a chipotle chili in the mm -hmm. book to try to get you in there. Yeah. But there's also other recipes that will kind of springboard you into it too. Um, there's like a couple of different soups. There's a hummus that we did a Canadian style because there's nothing. If we didn't grow it here in Canada, it's not in the book. So there's no citrus. There's oh. no chocolate. There's no. Oh. I know, and I'm not saying don't ever eat it. I'm just saying that um, if you go to a grocery store and you're mm -hmm. given a choice between 
an apple that's a Canadian apple and an yep. imported apple, then I would encourage you to choose the apple that's grown in Canada. Of course. But yeah. to make the point in the book, I decided instead of using citrus for that zing, I would use apple cider vinegar. Oh, that's good. Very Canadian. Yeah. And so it's inexpensive all as well. Like a, to buy a bottle of that is a couple of bucks. It's not so bad. Unless you want to go the high ender ones that are artisanal and they're they're kind of one they actually have a better flavor, a bit mm-hmm. more zing, not so much tart. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, back to the beans. Oh, and sidebar, I got to tell you this because it's so, this is really important to me. In every recipe, I have the nutrient breakdown, mm-hmm. but I also made uh, one of our, our members is an RD and she's a, a diabetes educator. And so on every single recipe, there are the carb counts. So if you're a person living with diabetes, then you can make anything in my book and figure out how to fit it into your diet. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then we also did a difference between naturally occurring sugars in a yes. recipe and the added. Oh, okay. Because there are certain foods that are naturally sweet, like yes. beets, you know, have a lot of sugar, carrots, those Apples, sorts of things. Yeah. Any of the fruits do. And I wanted just to make the difference between what's the added one and what is the naturally occurring one. Okay. Okay. So, um, so I Marilyn's, got off track. No, that was fine. We're <laughs> going to get back on track too. And we'll, we'll keep going off track. It's totally fine. <laughs> My guest is Marilyn Smith, professional home economist. We're talking about uh, some of the great things in her new cookbook called Homegrown. But really, we're just sort of highlighting some of the great things that grow across the country, coast to coast and to give you some inspiration maybe for your holiday meals or just because it's winter and we feel kind of blah and crappy. But I bet there's a lot of things (laughs) that you don't know that Marilyn's going to enlighten us about. First of all, when we come back, we'll talk about how whole whole wheat flour isn't really whole wheat flour and what you should know about that. And also, if you know the difference between a sweet potato and a yam, feel free to text in any questions at 71010. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Taking a quick break, back after this. Now, back to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, The show is live 3 to 4 p.m. every Saturday afternoon. And you can always catch the podcast online. You can find it in iTunes. You can also find it off my website, paychen.com. A quick reminder that I am giving away a new $500 Rowenta Silent Force Extreme Vacuum on my website. So just go to paychen.com, click on blog, and you can find it there. Um, And it closes in a couple of days. So just in time for the holidays, I will make your holidays suck in a good way with a (laughs) brand new vacuum. And my guest this hour is Marilyn Smith, professional home economist, also the author of a brand new cookbook, your seventh book. So congratulations. Thank you. It's called Homegrown, and it celebrates the Canadian foods we grow, raise, and produce. So not only do you have recipes in here where a lot of um, other home economists have contributed, but you have a lot of great little tips and sort of um, did you know sort of facts because I didn't know until I read in your book that whole wheat flour isn't really whole wheat flour. And that bothered me because I thought I was buying whole wheat flour. Well, when I first found out about this about 10 years ago, I was really annoyed, You were really ahead of the curve when you found out 10 years ago. Yeah, so whole wheat flour, um, so you have to understand what a whole grain is. Oh, look, I'm doing a visual on the radio. Yes, well, we have webcams, so (laughs) Newstalk1010.com is where you can watch the the webcams and and see Marilyn pretending to be uh, a a kernel of wheat. really? Is there a really webcam in here? There's webcams all over. Oh, my gosh. I I guess I should put my pants back on. Ah, I'm kidding. (laughs) Anyway, my boots. Anyway, uh, that was rude. Anyway, um... (laughs) 
So a whole grain thing is, I did it again. Anyway, so there's three parts to a whole grain. There's the bran, there's the endosperm, and there's the germ, okay? So when they refine it, they t they remove, they, they separate all three portions. Okay. And the germ, the wheat germ, if, if I'm talking about wheat or the germ of any whole grain, has got the most stuff in it. It's where the germination took place. All right. So you have the most nutrient-dense section. And they, they take that off because there's oil in it, and it turns the flour rancid. So oh. you can, when you buy wheat germ, you're buying the best part of, of the wheat, all right? Oh, so, really? Yeah. Okay. So whole wheat flour is the bran and the white, the endosperm put back together. So to make it a whole wheat, whole grain whole wheat flour, you have to add the wheat germ back in. Unless you buy stone-milled whole wheat flour, and when it's stone-milled, it's all in there together. Because it's just being kind of ground up. It's is just that all it? ground up. So then the, when I go to my grocery store and I buy a bag of whole wheat flour because I think I'm making something healthier, yes. it's... What what is it exactly? It's well, like you're getting white the bran. Flour? You're getting the bran and the endosperm. So the endosperm is the white part of the flour. So, so I'm getting white flour with a little bit of stuff added back in. You're getting the bran added back in for sure. And okay. so you're getting more fiber, but to get the most nutrient dense flour, then you want to put the germ back in. So in all the recipes that we use in the book, mm -hmm. because stone milled uh, whole wheat flour is a little harder to find. Especially in Ontario, it's not so hard out west. Right. You know, I, I'm I'm from Vancouver. We're all hippies out there. Is like <laughs> you're like it's everywhere. Everybody thinks that we are. I'm not. I wished <laughs> I wished I was a hippie when I was a kid. Anyway, um, but yeah. So you can get that kind of flour there. But if you can't, then just add the wheat germ, and it's usually about one to two tablespoons per cup, depending on the application. So if you were making a cake. Uh, with whole wheat flour, uh, you might want to put one tablespoon in, but if you're making cookies, you could go with two. You'll have to be an experimenter right. or buy any of my books in the last 10 years because <laughs> I've been doing that for years, trying to give you a whole oh. grain without you even, well, I explain it to you, right. but you know, but that was the idea. That okay. was my mission statement. Um, also in the book, you you mentioned, I, I, you have a little section about how to shop the farmer's market, which I quite like. Um, <laughs> I had fun writing that one. Did you? Yes. Well, you probably, growing up, out west, you would have been out at the market a lot. You mm -hmm. have things that kind of grow more plentiful year-round. Well, we have a longer growing season. Mm -hmm. It's not as warm, obviously. Although this is right in Toronto right now, this is my winter from Vancouver. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're walking around with your coat open. Um, yeah, there's a lot of farmer's markets, but there's actually a lot more little stalls that you would go to. You know, if you're sort of driving out you know, down to the Fraser Valley, well, you could just pull off the road and go to somebody's blueberry stand. So yeah, they yeah. always have the little signs yeah. telling you what they're yeah. what they grow and what they sell, exactly. right? Which is kind of nice. It's yeah, little you just farm pull stands. over. Yeah. Um, I also like the website farmersmarketsincanada.com um, because I I like to say that my brother and I grew up at the farmers market because my parents have yes, had do. a stall yeah. um, ever since I was a little kid. So we kind of we knew that community very well, and because we had to also work, we were child laborers uh, for my parents. But what a great work ethic you learned. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I also didn't, I think my mom stopped putting me on cash when she realized that I actually did not have that genetic math gene skill. of being good at math. <laughs> I'd be like giving people back like large sums of money. So then I got put it's on free. putting egg rolls in bags instead. Um, but there are like, you know, I always encourage people to go to the farmer's market oh, if yeah. they can. And we do have some great ones in Ontario that are open um, year round that are indoors. So, you know, there's like the evergreen brickworks there's St. Lawrence which Market, what, um, which what is a great one. I love one. that one. I'm a yeah. big fan of that one. A friend of mine actually runs that one. There's St. Lawrence Market. Um, yeah, we have this great, you know, it's just getting to know your food better. But, you know, I'm not saying you have to shop at farmer's markets. I'm just saying that when you go to the grocery store, you know, look for the Canadian choice. And it's not, and uh, 
especially if you you only have time to just shop at a grocery store, it's not that one is more expensive than the other. So if you can support local, then, you know, that's great. There's a couple of recipes in the book that I found interesting. And I know, like, there are a lot of recipes with lentils. Yes. First of all, there's like a waffle, a lentil Red lentil waffle. Oh, my gosh. I wished I'd made this recipe. This is uh, Trevor. He's a a school teacher. Yeah. And when he sent this recipe and I went, if this works, the man's a genius. I haven't tried it. I looked at the recipe. They are fantastic. Really? I actually damned them. I damned them on City Line and I I damned them out, out West on, on Breakfast TV out there, um, they give the, there's actually 13 grams of protein in a waffle. Wow. In, in two waffles, which would be a serving. Yeah. And that's a really big deal. So if you want to, and also, PHEC, professional home economist tips, yes. make a whole bunch of them, freeze them, put them in your toaster oven. Your kids are going to go off to play hockey in the morning or whatever, go to school. They're going to get a protein-dense whole grain uh, you know, a uh, waffle. Um, that's great to know because I, um, you may not realize everyone, but I work out. And she uh, works no. out. Unbelievable. <laughs> you, you, I was talking you with those medicine ball things. I, <laughs> I'd be dying. Oh, girl, but it's you work because hard. I eat so much. But <laughs> but you can't that you can't tell because I eat so much. So, um, but you know, when you're at the gym and all the bros are there and the guys they're drinking the protein shakes and always like, and I and I'll have a little like um, snack afterwards and they'll be like, how many carbs are in that? How much protein is in that? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It says high in protein. But because I feel, I feel with like the paleo trend having become quite popular in recent years, people are especially looking towards higher protein content things, especially those who work out, who have an active, healthy lifestyle. Because when you think of waffles, you, you usually just think it's just carbs. Just carbs, There's yeah. not much else to it. But you it. know, in, in this particular case, it's actually a good carb because, you know, we've got the wheat germ and the whole wheat flour in it as well. So you're getting a whole grain and I'm you really happy about that. You put everything in there. Oh my gosh. But the red lentils, see, red lentils go squishy. So if you really cook the heck out of them, <laughs> they become a mushy paste. And so oh. it's, it's actually adding kind of a paste back into the, to the actual waffle batter. So it doesn't say you're not going to get a hunk of red lentil. No one will know okay, that there's the red lentils in there. All right, because they melt. Red lentils kind of melting is the wrong word. They they go like mush. Yeah. Right, yeah. Which is, mush yeah. sounds delicious the as way, well. The way my grandma used to cook Brussels sprouts. <laughs> um, that's what they go like. Fantastic. <laughs> All, this also frustrates me as well. This. Um, but I have not quite become good at identifying the difference. So I will call it either or. Okay. Sweet potato and yam. They are <laughs> interchangeable at the grocery store. Because people are crazy. No, okay, here's the deal. <laughs> okay. So what happened was that a yam is a vegetable from the Caribbean. Okay. Oh, right. It's got hairy fibers on the outside and it's white on the inside. It's, it's white? It's white. Okay. That's okay. a yam. That's a yam. Okay. And a sweet potato is got, it can be yellow, purple, orange, mm-hmm. and it's got a smooth kind of a, like a, almost like a potato peel. So what happened is that the Americans, and I'm not slagging them, I'm just saying that they called them yams and now we unfortunately label them that way. But they're not. Okay. There are sweet potatoes. So then in the grocery store, what we see more of are definitely sweet, sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes, yeah. And people will argue to death that they're yams. But no, from a, a botanist and from the real world, yeah. it's like saying a banana is the same as an apple to a botanist. It's like, right. what are you, nuts? No, of course yeah. it's not. But but they look similar. No, they don't. There's hair on the other one. So yams <laughs> have got hair. hair on them. And they're very Jamaican, Caribbean, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're more starchy. Okay. So they're not, they're not. Oh, and I actually did a video about that. It's on YouTube um, where I'm like hacking a one and a half in a grocery store because I was so mad about So it. if you go to your grocery store beef. and you see something labeled a yam and it's not hairy, yes, it's probably a sweet potato. Yes, so and I have gone out. to all of my grocery stores where I shop and I go, 
This, Do you tell them? I tell them. This is a sweet potato. And they go, and it's interesting because when sweet potatoes are in season in Ontario, yeah. oh, they they arrive, which is, um, you know, August right through to the kind of the end of November, maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. depending on, on how much they produced, they will be labeled sweet potatoes. But when they start importing them from the United States, sometimes the name changes oh. to yams. And it's because that's what it said on the skid. Right. So that's what they, they label because they have in, to price it through yeah. on their on their checkout. Um, and so your photo is probably up at every grocery store in your neighborhood. And they're like, <laughs> red <laughs> circles. Yeah, do not it. question or argue with this with woman. Just accept yes. whatever she tells because you. Because she's so smart and she's right. <laughs> <laughs> My guest is professional home economist Marilyn Smith. We're going to talk a lot more about some of the great things that grow coast to coast, things you may not know. Feel free to text in 71010. Uh, we're taking a quick break here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. My guest in studio is professional home economist Marilyn Smith. You may know her from shows like Breakfast Television and City Line. She's on uh, on your daytime TV a lot. And she just released her seventh book, which is called Homegrown, celebrating the Canadian foods we grow, raise, and produce. And you did this with the uh, Professional Home Economists Association, right? So there was a lot of people who contributed to the recipes. Right. We actually got 200 submissions from members, recipes, wow. uh, and they're the members of the Ontario Home Economics Association. We tested them all and we narrowed it down to about 180. And then the publisher, you know, the edit, we had to cut them down. So there's 160 in the book. Which is which is still pretty hefty. That's hefty. And they're triple tested and with very specific instructions because as home economists, we want to make your life easier. We want you to go, hey, I made it, as opposed to, well, it doesn't look anything like the picture. Yeah. You said it know. was uh, lasagna. It is not. It is mush. Um, now, because it features ingredients and recipes, you know, um, that reflect all the provinces coast to coast, when you were getting the submissions and when you started testing uh, the recipes, I guess... I'm curious what ingredients or what things um, you weren't that familiar with when you started the process. Do, do you know, and it not not because I'm so, you know, wonderful. So but brilliant. So brilliant. You knew everything. I know what's this, where it's, this is going. So it was like the only one that I hadn't had any experience with was duck and goose. Ah, and uh, one duck, of our duck, members, duck, yeah, yeah, duck, duck, goose, goose, uh, <laughs> was uh, uh, Joan Tollius, who was our president at the time. Her husband's a hunter. Mm-hmm. And so she has a duck and a goose recipe. They both blew our minds. They're fantastic. And I wouldn't so know what to book. do with it. Well, you know what? They're they're a tougher cut in the sense of, you know, they're active. They're out there flying. Yeah. This sounds awful. But you know what I'm saying? They're, they, they have a, a very uh, a tough kind of, you know... They, a lot of muscle A lot something. of muscle. Yeah. Thank you. That's the word we're looking for. <laughs> um, and so it's you have to actually uh, cook them in a lot of moisture. Oh, And okay. so two, one, uh, like a duck pilaf with uh, kamut, which is a, mm-hmm. a grain that we grow in Canada. And then uh, the goose is, I forget. But anyway, it's fantastic. I just remember going, is there any more left? <laughs> because it was so fantastic. And when we all tasted the recipes, if not 90% of us liked it, yeah. then it didn't make the book. So, okay. yeah. So it's, where would you get goose? I I, it's, I suppose at a specialty what? shop. It, no, you, you can, can actually it. buy it in Loblaws now. They have oh. a they have a goose uh, supplier in Loblaws as well. So you can you don't have to go to a specialty grocery store anymore. Okay. For duck, you might. Yeah. But we actually wanted to sort of do give a salute to Saskatchewan because there's a lot of duck uh, hunters out there, and we wanted to include a duck recipe in the book. What other ingredients are maybe a little bit different for people? Do you think? Well, they're not different from me, but maybe, you know, there's... Because well, you know everything. Because I know everything. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's scallops, there's um, yeah, there's, so, there's uh, People are very intimidated by scallops. I grew up on the East Coast eating a lot of scallops. I don't cook them at home because I know I will 
I will ruin them. Well, then I've got the recipe for you, and it's actually one of my recipes, using <laughs> Nova Scotia scallops. Yes. And and then bringing back from Vancouver, there's a miso glaze on it. Mm-hmm. So there's an Asian spin on it. And, well, and, Vancouver know, is where all the Asians are. Well, you know, when I think, it's interesting because I was brought up English, Irish, Scots. Yes. And so I didn't really start using Asian food, even though I was influenced until I was in university. Oh, okay. And then it was like, oh, you mean, yeah, uh, university broadened my eyes. And I went to uh, UBC for home ec and uh, foods and nutrition, mm-hmm. and we were cooking things I've never even heard of. So, uh, But I think that's yeah. how it is because until you move out, out. you only eat what your, what your, what your mom have. probably yeah. is cooking. Right. You know, like I never had proper craft dinner until I was <laughs> in, in, well into my 20s. No, I'm not even kidding you. Once I had it at a friend's house when I was about seven <laughs> and then I begged my mom to make it and buy it and she tried it once and, you know, I don't think she could read the package very well and she didn't really drain the pasta. So it was like, it. W- imagine that you made craft dinner but you put in three times as much liquid and it's just sitting Ew. in this very pale orange kind of liquid and it the noodles are almost floating and that was the one time my mom tried to make craft dinner <laughs> and so I never you know I was quite fortunate I didn't cook for myself growing up we would we would reheat like leftovers when we came back from mm-hmm. school but um, I didn't have to cook so I left home not really knowing how to cook which was a problem and then um I, I, you know, that kind of screwed me over because I would eat just like, I'd boil a bag of pasta and I would have these giants, because it was cheap, right? Because you're in school and you yeah. want to save money. Um, and Actually, I'm, that, that yeah. sorry, when you say boil a thing, I, I, my little home ec head went, okay, here's a deal. Here's a note in the book about pasta is that you don't overcook it because when it's beyond al dente, it actually has a cl- high glycemic index. And when you have a high glycemic index, it's kind of more like a sugar. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that you want to really make sure that it's cooked to the tooth which is what it should be on the when label. When it's a little bit chewy. It should be chewy because yeah. then it becomes a prebiotic and it has a low glycemic index. So if you cook it Canadian style, it's bad for you. But if you cook it the right way, Italian way, then you're going to actually have a prebiotic. And a prebiotic is, oh. is how you feed your good bacteria in your in your gut. Right. So that's when you cook it to the point where it's you think you're under cooking it a bit because yes. it's got a little bit of chew. It should have a little bit of a chew. Right. Sorry, okay. when you said boil, I went, no, I got to fix like, this. You know this. <laughs> now, I'm curious to know because I don't have I don't have kids, so I don't know if, if um, home ec is still taught in schools. Because when I was growing up uh, in Nova Scotia, we had home ec in junior high. Junior high was grade seven through nine. Right. But now I don't I don't really hear people talking about it. Well, it's not mandatory anymore. It's an elective. And uh, and I you know, there's a lot of research that has shown that the demise of our health uh, has actually been parallel to the demise of home ec, mandatory home ec. Okay. And so because people aren't learning how to cook as a mandatory, not as an elective, right. we have generations of people who are choosing foods that are more packaged. And mm-hmm. we want you to go back to the basics and cook from scratch. And and all the recipes are easy. I, I really want under you know overstate that maybe because they're accessible ingredients that are easy to make and that's how we want to get you back into the kitchen and so that you're actually cooking from scratch but they're easy to do you're going to not be in there all day and you're going to have success yeah and then you'll make more so that's our goal you know um because we didn't have home ec for very long home ec was half the year and then wood shop was the other yes, half of the I year yes i did the same thing and um so that was 
I want to say it was maybe all three years of junior high. But the, what I remember the most, first of all, woodworking, um, I, I can't do any of that still. But I, what I remember really well about home ec is we all made an apron. Yes. First of all, we all, we all sewed. Not that I could sew now. Um, and then the other thing we learned, which is, I don't know why, certain things stick in your mind. Like, yeah. you know, I'm in grade seven, I'm t- 12 or 13 years old. I remember that we had to learn how to balance a checkbook. Like we had to write in, like we had, because. That's a genius thing to learn. We had to learn debit and credit and what that meant. But most of us got them mixed up. So we didn't. <laughs> but now the word debit is in our lexicon every day. Yeah. So we kind of know what that means. Um, and we also learned how to properly wash dishes. And I remember thinking this was so weird because we filled the sink with soapy water and the home ec teacher said, you know, you put everything in except, except the, the sharp knife. knives. That's right. You And you, ne- that, she's a good teacher. <laughs> I did a whole thing on this on City Line. You can't believe the, like, what, what do you mean you don't put the knife in the sink? You don't put the knife in the never, sink. You never do that because you're A, you're going to ruin it and B, you could cut your hand off. So because well, you just reach into that soapy water boom, and you pull something out, There you right? go and it's like half your finger. So yeah, hold the knife. You never <laughs> even put it, you never submerge the knife either because you're going to wreck the oh. handle. You just rinse it in, wipe it off, rinse it and then dry it. Right, you don't like leave it in the sink no. all day. And never put it in a dishwasher. Ne- that's right. I'll you never put it in a dishwasher. You. My yeah, right. mother would kill me if I did that. I got uh, a knife that's longer than two of my ex-marriages. I mean, I've had this knife for years. So How many husbands have you had? I've had three. <laughs> I'm on number three, lucky number three. He's but the, the keeper. But the knife has lasted longer. The knife is, I got a, I have a pot too that's lasted longer than two of my other marriages anyway, so. Do you use that pot all the time? Mm-hmm. Really? Yep, it's a good pot. You pay for what you get. You get what you, yeah, whatever. You get what, what, you, you, get what Thank you pay you. for? Is yes, that you what you're do. trying to say? That's what I was trying um, to say. I found this cute little story that I just wanted to share with everyone. I'm, I'm curious. You text in. I would like to know if you could um, gorge yourself silly at any kind of restaurant, like any kind of food. I'd like to know what kind of restaurant it would be, what you would eat. Because, and Marilyn, you can think about this because I want to mm-hmm. ask you. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those silly stories that comes up. A 38-year-old 30 Czechoslovakian man uh, was found in a Prague restaurant, Prague. I Prague. said that wrong, Prague. Yeah. Um, he had hidden in the bathroom at night while they closed up, and then he gorged himself on a meal of six baked geese, weighing about five kilos each, three ducks, a four-liter jar of pickles, six kilos of goose fat and liver, a couple of packages of butter, and some poppy seeds. And then he washed it down with a couple of bottles of wine. Now, he didn't eat everything, but he bit into everything. So he tried six diff- six. Okay, because I was going to say, he's dead. The ducks, the pickles. Yeah. So he gorged himself, had a bunch of bottles of wine, kind of passed out. He was the plan was he would leave before they opened, but a cleaning woman found him at 9 a.m. Uh, saw the mess of breathing? food, yeah. <laughs> and he's facing up to two years in jail. But that got me thinking: if I was to lock myself, if I was to find myself in a restaurant for, let's say, 12 hours, I was to gorge myself. It would be a seafood restaurant, and I would eat all the caviar first and all the oysters. Wow. You. Yeah, you know, that's more high-end than I am. I was thinking of the uh, ice cream place, and I'd eat all the <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> I would also enjoy uh, cheese. I love cheese. Yeah, I, yeah, I know you love but cheese. But I know that, that would that would fill me up. But I would go I would go high-end. I would yeah, go you see? into— I was just thinking treats. <laughs> I'm just like, let's go for a treat. I'd go to chocolate or ice cream. I'm so shallow. Uh, oh someone texted in and said Homic was awesome. And Yay. another tip that they learned was never put a glass that you're drying on the counter in the towel, in the tea towel. I don't know what that 
the mm. glass drying on the tea towel, like maybe face it up so it dries. Um, oh, I know what she's talking about. So that, you know, when you, 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 you wash the glass, you rinsed it and you stick it on a tea towel because there's yeah. not enough room in your drainer. It's not going to air out. It's all going to have condensation in the inside. Yeah. So you want to put it in the, in the dish drainer so that it'll air out so th- while you can dry it before you dry it. Oh, and always rinse tips. in hot water. Don't rinse in cold. Okay. Always hot because you're going to aerate it off a bit more. You know what? At, uh, I took a pastry course at George Brown Chef School and our, <laughs> our pastry chef said, rinse it in hot water. She's like, you'll never get anything clean and you'll cold. You'll never get the green. Off. Yeah, That's right. Come on. All right. Well, thank you so much, oh, Marilyn. Our gone. time is up. It's, it's over. It's gone. You can put your pants back on okay, and so, your shirt. Thank you very much. And you can come to. I've got a book signing at Eat Your Words in on Annette uh, next uh, Sunday, December the twentieth, from one to two thirty. Okay, fantastic. And I'll see you there. All right. So you can okay. also pick up a copy of Marilyn's book, Homegrown. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Uh, is where you can find podcasts of the show at Paychen as well on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great weekend, everyone, and I'll see you next week. So much fun. Bye.